Hi friends, good morning. My name is Yarrow and you're listening to the Embodied Business Podcast. I'm trying something really new today. It's 7am and you're hearing my morning voice. I usually spend my mornings in kind of a cocoon. The dogs wake up really early um, at about 6am, maybe sometimes 6.30 and I just take them in the garden. Then we come back inside, I make them breakfast and... um, then we go back to bed for a little bit and I journal, do some ritual, sometimes some self-massage, some stretching. But this morning I felt like really excited to try recording a solo episode in this space. So I'm sitting in my fairly dark bedroom with this tiny lamp on. It's still really dark outside, which I love about the cozy season in Scotland. It is pretty dark. And I have my laptop on my lap, the dogs are next to me, and in front of me I have a bunch of bullet points about luminous self-trust and improv as a way of life. These two things have been really on my mind this month um, as I'm kind of navigating next steps in my business and working with people in my communities and thinking about what skills we need to build right now. So one small announcement before I dive in, um, I have the next winter retreat is coming up on January 21st and 22nd. This will be the fifth time I'm offering a free weekend retreat. I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to be luminous. I love using that word <laughs> just to use that again. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun packed weekend, not too packed. We have two blocks of three to four hours There'll be breaks in between, time for co-working where you just get to hang out and implement what you learned, but also workshops that I really hope will help you set yourself up for a year of success on your own terms, basically. And also it's a great way to meet like-minded people. I'll link to that in the show notes and I would love to see you there. All right, so... How do we get into a sense of generative flow and, um, and you know, the sense that accomplishments build our confidence for the next step? I think that's kind of the key underlying question in so much of what we do in business, but also specifically what I want to talk about today, luminous self-trust and improv as a way of life. So I want to begin with self-trust and tell you also why I think that's so important. I think we build self-trust in starting really small, starting where we are, bringing a lot of compassion for where we are and what we have to work with, but also contextualizing our situation. I think sometimes we jump ahead and we have an idea and we then compare ourselves kind of to people who maybe are much further along in the journey, who have more access to resources, who have more of a background in what they're trying to do, or maybe, you know, I don't know, that's such a vague word, having a background. (laughs) I think what I mean is just like maybe more access to education or more experience. I'm thinking, for example, about fields that you traditionally get into by doing a lot of unpaid work and how that's easier to do for some people um, who maybe have access to family wealth um, than others. So just kind of really looking at your situation with compassion and also um, an openness to context, I would say that's really helpful. And then 
what's also really important is, I think, to unlearn comparison and conventional success. I know I talk about this a lot. It will mean different things to different people. Um, maybe I sound like a broken record. I don't know. But if we leave employment or if we are, which I think to some extent we all are, trained at school to be very employable and to make that our goal, then it can be a big, quite drawn out process in our minds and spirits to come to define success differently and to really stay with ourselves in what we define as a meaningful life. I know that for me, yeah, I definitely still have moments of freaking out when I think about how unemployable I've become and how I haven't written a CV in like over 10 years now. Um, I'm back at uni at the moment, I'm really loving that and I'm being offered these CV writing workshops and I'm like, gosh, this is really quite far from my lived experience right now, but okay, um, <laughs> why not? Um, but yeah, I think Instagram probably for me for many years has been a big factor as well. It's hard not to compare yourself, to look to the left and right and I think there's so much value in untangling these moments of this is when I feel truly inspired and this is kind of cheering me on and this is a moment where I feel like it's pointing to a sense of lack of scarcity and I don't want to be in that space. Another really important piece is really allowing positive feedback to come in. I think, you know, most of us get compliments throughout our days um, because we're gorgeous people. Why wouldn't we? <laughs> but, you know, how often do you really take that in and how easy is it to say, oh, yeah, oh, that's nothing or like anyone can do that or maybe you just say thank you, but inside you feel like, oh, that person is just being polite and how about we really make it a point to take positive feedback in more fully and not resist it and also keep hold of it. I have a feedback folder. Again, I know I talk about that a lot, bit of a broken record, but my feedback folder is such a source of things, uh, strength, that's a very hard word to say for German in the morning. <clears throat> Um, yeah, it's just a source of joy and um, kind of grounding for me. When I have moments of self-doubt or imposter syndrome, I just pick an email at random from my email folder of positive feedback and I read it and I remind myself that I don't have to be perfect. My work has made a difference to some people. It's certainly not for everyone, but I'm totally okay with that. And what I really just need to know is that it has made a positive difference to someone. Um, I want to talk also about some examples of where you really need self-trust in your business to make this a little bit more tangible. So let's say you want to do some market research. If you're lacking self-trust, you will likely overstretch what you're offering people for feedback. You might make several rounds of sending people intake forms or feedback forms, which in and of itself is a great thing to do. I'm not saying that at all. I think market research is really empowering and insightful and important. But if you're lacking self-trust, you might keep running with that to a point that isn't actually helpful 
because you're trying to find a way of doing things or a product you might offer that's going to appeal to everyone and that's just not possible. So I think on the flip side, if you have self-trust, you know that you need feedback and that you might have blind spots and that bringing that you know, reflection in from other people could be really valuable, but you also understand that you will never make everyone happy and you cannot tweak what you're offering to a point where no one will have any comments as to how it could be different. And that's a really different energy to approach market research in. Another example I want to offer is the idea of building tech systems for your business. So if you are a service provider, for example, you need some kind of booking system, you need to keep track of the clients you're working with, you need to track your own time, you need to know what you need to know for your bookkeeping, um, you need to keep track of your expenses. So all kinds of systems really that need to be in place and they don't need to be in place immediately. I'm not saying you can't start out with, without really solid systems. Some things just kind of build as you go along and you can DIY and um, improvise a lot of things to use that word. But there comes a time in any business where you need to sit down and look at what software you might need to make your day-to-day -day life easier. And if you have self-trust, then you can say, okay, I know I might have to watch a bunch of YouTube videos. I know I might need to ask around and, you know, read a bunch of reviews and really sit down and figure out what kind of system I actually need and want in my work right now. Um, or you can take one of my classes. <laughs> um, but basically, you will maybe approach this task with some sense of trepidation because maybe it's not what you like to do day to day and that's totally okay but ultimately you trust yourself to figure it out if you're lacking self-trust you might really delay that to a point where it's a bit ridiculous because you are six months into working with clients and you still don't have a booking system you still write emails back and forth about different time zones and what works for people and you're just wasting a lot of time and energy on something that you can very easily automate for yourself if you have the self-trust to know that the information is out there you just have to figure it out and see what works for you okay one more example ideas overwhelm this is really common in my communities and workshops as well and i think that's because we're beautiful creative people who are open to the world and have a whole lot of ideas to work with and so many of us have to you know, really spend a bit of time figuring out what we want to do next. And I always recommend that people have like a beautiful sacred space for their ideas. And that could be like a little box, literally could be a page in your journal or a section of your journal. But just give yourself the sense that you can put it down sometimes if you don't want to work with an idea right away. Doesn't mean that you're rejecting it or that it needs to be forgotten forever you can put it in a safe place and then you need to focus on you can focus on what you need to focus on right now but anyway if you have self-trust you know that you have a lot of ideas because you're tuned into the world and you're creative and that's exciting and you trust yourself to make good choices around what you're going to focus on Whereas if you lack self-trust, you might really feel super overwhelmed and unsure and you might spend much more time thinking about what project you might approach than actually gaining experience by doing the thing. 
And that's the thing as well, I think that is really easy to overlook. If you have a lot of ideas and you want to find out what one is the right one, it will serve you much better to try one of these ideas and really take note of what that process would like was like for you than to do nothing and just think about it because so much insight comes from just doing the thing, which I know is terrifying very, very often. Um, but that's the truth I found, my friend. I'm very sorry to not bring you better news. Um, all right, so I hope this has kind of illustrated why I think self-trust is so important and maybe also given you some ideas as to how you can build self-trust. Again, that will be really different for everyone, but just pause here and ask yourself, where is your sense of self-trust coming from? Who and what makes you feel good about yourself? You know, what environments feel really nourishing in that way? And then hang out there. I also want to talk a little bit more about improv as a way of life because I think that really beautifully ties into what I've just been talking about. And I want to name three people here that have inspired me. One is Sherry Lynn Wood, who's a really amazing improv quilting artist. Another is Marley Grace, who's done a lot of work around creative confidence and improvisation. And then someone who's new to me is Melissa Word, who is a really beautiful, so exciting artist. And I'm, I've just signed up for a workshop with Melissa on grief threads, where we are going to do some improv textile work. And I just find that improv um, with textiles especially has really helped me gain confidence creatively in figuring stuff out as I go along. And I'm noticing also that the more we live in very uncertain times, which we obviously have for years now, but I think there's an increasing sense of like, oh my fucking God, what is happening? <laughs> and also it comes in ebbs and flows, whatever, that's fine. But whenever there's a group sense of panic um, or a deeper uncertainty, there's a real tangible increase in people asking me for recipes, which I find really funny to look at and notice. So that's fine. I'm happy to tell people that I don't use recipes and I understand why they're asking. But it's not necessarily just recipes, right? It's also, can you just tell me your five-step process? Or can you tell me which software to use? Can you just tell me what to do, basically? And... Unfortunately, I can't because this is a process that's actually really important to figure out what software will be right for you, what your five steps are, and what recipe will be most yummy to you or your communities. And so I think working with improv as a way of life is liberating because you then know that you don't have to know every step of the way before you take the first step. You can instead trust yourself and respond to life creatively. And I also think that building that muscle of creative response and self-trust is more effective usually or often for people than learning five recipes by heart. And I know that isn't for everyone. I know some people love more structure and they want more tangible instruction as to how to do a thing. I really get that and I, I hope that in my courses and in my community I teach or offer as much practical information as someone needs to then go their own way with that information and I think that's always like a balance 
But yeah, like just think about it. What would it be like to just build that muscle and to trust yourself and to know that you can just take one step after the other and things will figure themselves out because they always have. I think to me, there's also something in working with limitation and thinking of, of containment as love. So let me explain what I mean by that. I don't mean to glorify or romanticize poverty or hardship or disability or marginalization in this world. Those are violent things and I don't wish them on anyone as such, but they have definitely for me also given me some gifts. I'm thinking, for example, of a memory that I would describe as my financial low point <laughs> in life. This was in my late 20s. I was living in a house share. I was at uni at the time in grad school. I had a really shitty part-time job and I was really struggling financially. I was often, you know, beyond, far beyond living paycheck to paycheck. I was really living kind of day to day financially, I would say. And at one point I... I went to the cash machine to take like 20 pounds out and it was just a no. There was no point, 20 points for me. And I went back home and just looked around for change and I found some under my bed and in between the armchair and my bedroom. And then I went to, be to buy bag of beans. And <laughs> um, I didn't feel shameful in that moment, strangely. I was a bit freaked out for sure. But... Um, I also think I had an underlying, you know, small sense of self-trust even then. And to be fair, I am not estranged from my family. If I was really struggling for money, for food, I could have asked my parents. My parents have never substantially supported me financially and they couldn't and that's okay for me. Um, you know, but I could have asked them for 20 quid for, for, for food for sure. Um, but anyway, I'm telling this story because I think... That even though it sucked at the time and I wish I hadn't had more support to really focus on my degree and kind of <clears throat> be in the moment and, and not totally worried about money all the time so I could be more creative, I do think that that time and that particular memory still kind of lingers in me because I like to pull it up to remind myself that I have been through periods of much, much less and I've also made that work and it was okay um, and I, you know, I'm still a creative person. I did a lot of photography that year, a lot of projects that I'm thinking back on fondly. And um, yeah, so, and now here we are, things got easier. Um, I also feel that this makes me think that rituals really do mean something. When I, I mean, I've always been journaling. I, my earliest journal is from third grade and I'm it's a Hello Kitty pink dream basically um full of my dreams and thoughts I was just really excited to even be able to write and read and you know it was a whole new world um but I've obviously kind of had periods of more intense journaling and, and really being in that practice every day And I think sometimes in my 20s, I definitely had the sense of like, wow, is this just navel glazing, gazing? Is, you know, is this even meaning anything? Am I just wasting my time? Am I just this weird person sitting in my bedroom, looking at the moon, talking about feelings, basically? 
And now that I look back at these journals that I've now filled, I can really see that they have been an important piece in me building my ability to be in improv as a way of life and to trust myself. Because while they're not necessarily pointing out any kind of genius or something like that, they do show me that I have changed over the years and that I've learned stuff and that I can trust myself to learn even more stuff as I go on my life. And yeah, that's really beautiful. I just want to hold that thought. You know, rituals are not wasted time. They do mean something to you and they can mean something to the world as well as they build your creative confidence. And then um, finally, <clears throat> when I am in deep anxiety about the world and where we are going, which I am sometimes, not going to lie, I feel I, it feels helpful to me to ask myself, okay, what is actually something that I can focus on right now? What is something that I can do? And something that feels tangible is that I build my ability to adapt and to have resilience and a sense of devotion. And these three things, I think for me, really come out of my improv practice, both with textiles, <laughs> with writing, in my life, in my business. Ad adaptability is really just kind of, you know, being able to go with change and respond creatively. And as a neurodivergent person, I hate it when things change, especially last minute. I hate it when I have set out a plan for my day and it just totally, uh, you know, throws me off. But I offer myself deep structure and routine at home, in my home life and how I do things. I kid you not, I have been eating pancakes almost every single morning for months now. And it's really grounding because I'm knowing what I'm waking up to, you know. I know what waits for me in my morning. And that's that's helping me to be more adaptable in other ways when I have, res have to respond to change and I have to, you know, just allow things to flow. I think that sense of resilience is, is also kind of making perfect sense, right? That's coming out of seeing and witnessing each other as adapting creatively and being, uh, you know, being resourceful. And devotion, I think, maybe that's not something necessarily I would say that you can build or can you, I'm not totally sure, but I feel a sense of devotion in my life in that I am just sometimes excited to be in these processes and be alive at this time where so much is changing and so much is uncertain and so much is opening up to new ways of being. I know that sounds really nice. I promise you I feel very anxious a lot of the time as well. But I treasure these moments that I just described and I can tell that they come out of a sense of devotion. All right. This is the end. Thank you so much for coming to my little pep talk. It was fun to record in the morning. I hope to see you at my uh, free virtual weekend retreat in January. In the meantime, you can take one of my classes if you like to learn more. And I'm thanking you again for listening and for being here. <laughs>